Hey, how is everyone? You good? Beautiful. Thank you for that welcome. You can have your seat. Um, I'll get my wife just to stand. She hates the spotlight, I'm telling you. This is, this is making her just want to crawl into a hole. But uh, it's great to have her come, come with me, obviously. And um, just great to be in the house of God this morning. Just to uh, be in His presence and to worship together with God's family, which is what we are. I mean, if you think about um, a macro view of how God sees the world, I mean, we get caught up in our Sunday service, right? We think, I've got to go to church tomorrow, and you might be on the worship team, and you're thinking, well, I've got to be in there early to, to set up and rehearse. And, oh, by the way, the drummer was amazing this morning. Yeah. Is that what you wanted me to say, Stu? Is that the one? Yeah, that was the one. Was the drummer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, we get focused on our Sunday service, right? But, but think about it this way. So at 8 o'clock last night, right, in New Zealand, they were worshipping God. They were having their Sunday service because they're, you know, way ahead. They're having their Sunday service and God's hearing these praises and worship coming up from New Zealand along that time zone, right? And then at 10 o'clock last night, the churches in the east coast of Australia and above, they're all worshipping God and bringing their praises to Him as well. And then it gets across to, you know, Western Australia, which is sort of four hours later, and up through, you know, Central Asia and uh, Japan and Indonesia and Singapore, and they're all worshipping God. Um, we've been to churches in, in Japan and just their, their worship is amazing there, you know, and God's hearing all of that. And then as we go through the early hours of this morning, you know, it's going through India and I'm getting a bit foggy on my geography now as we go a little bit further west, you know. Uh, but, but this morning it's the same thing, right? God's hearing all these praises and this worship going up to Him globally. And, uh, and you know, later on tonight, He'll have a bit of a break as it goes across the ocean and gets to America. Uh, then it'll go through America as well. And uh, it's just an incredible thing to recognize the part that we play in bringing a, a constant sound of praise and worship up to God. So let's never underestimate what we do here on a Sunday. It's powerful. It's powerful. Um, a little bit about um, us. Um, we're from Australia. G'day, mate. Any Aussies in the room? No? Okay, just two of us. That's good. That's good. Um, so, yeah, we live in uh, New South Wales, just north of Sydney, um, my wife grew up in Queensland, um, which is north of New South Wales, and I, uh, I moved up there. I got posted up there with the military many years ago, and um, I got saved while I was in the military, and um, our children have grown up there. We have three children, five grandchildren, and they all live away from us. Um, so probably, you know how most kids leave home? We fled the home and sort of just left them to sort of fend for themselves, but... Um, about 2016, um, you know, for myself particularly, we'd been serving in a church there. I'd been on staff for some 26 years and just really felt for a couple of years just this prompting of God that something new was coming and uh, a door opened up for us to be um, involved in Hope Unlimited Church, um, serving Pastor Mark and Darlene Czech. And so we've been involved there for the last seven years and um, I run a uh, look over our campus in Gosford. We have six campuses and um, I'm part of the eldership team there. And then probably three years ago, um, Pastor Andy, Pastor Steve came over just to have a look at what we were doing and I got to meet them and spend a little bit of time with them. And then I'm here. 
So uh, we're very privileged and feel honoured to be here. So I'm going to share around the word this morning, but before we do that, I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord, this morning we, we are so thankful to be together. We're so thankful to be here in your presence, Lord. Your word says where two or three are gathered, you're right in the midst. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active, that it's life to us, that your words are life. And God, I pray this morning just for a real anointing in this place for us to hear from you. Not from me, but from you. And we just uh, open our hearts now. We give you permission to do what you need to do in our lives today. We want to glorify you in everything that we do this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, So I tend to be more of a nuts and bolts kind of guy, if that makes sense. Like, uh, so, yeah, I'll probably challenge you a bit this morning, if that's okay. Oh, three of you like to be challenged. What about the rest of you? You okay with that? Beautiful. Um, you know, many of you may have heard of a, a little thing called COVID that went through the world. Um, I don't know whether you're allowed to say that word anymore, but it was a thing. And uh, I heard on the news this week that, in, in the UK news, that this week was the anniversary of COVID. Isn't it wonderful that we celebrate that anniversary? Um, <laughs> But as a result of that, there was a lot of turmoil, not just in the world, but there was a lot of turmoil in the church. And we found that when we were allowed to meet again, that there were many people that didn't return. Uh, There were numbers of people who used that time to deconstruct their faith and uh, and go a different path. Um, The media had a pretty focused attack on the church. And I don't know about here, but in Australia, there is quite a focused attack on the church in different areas. But you know, in the midst of that, God is doing amazing things. We are seeing new people, new families come to our church every week. Uh, and you know, we had a young adult come a number of weeks ago, and um, I said, how did you find out about it? He said, I was in my room, and I just felt this compulsion to go to a church. So I just Googled, and I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. And we're having that story happen over and over and over again. In, in the midst of what appears to have been a, a devastation for the church, God is on the move and doing amazing things. Last weekend, we had 48 people baptized in our church, which is incredible. Um, interesting story. I set up a baptismal pool. We have an inflatable baptismal spa. And we, I, I set it up on the Saturday night, filled it with water. I went home. And um, I was doing some message prep for the next morning, and I just felt I couldn't shake this. You should go back in and check on that pool. So I got in my car, I went back to the church, I opened the door, it's like nine o'clock at night, and um, there was this beautiful water feature coming out of the front. The front of the baptismal pool had gone flat, and the water was just, and with the lights on it, it was actually quite beautiful. It was, you know... um, and so, yeah, that was a bit of a challenge for us. We had to make arrangements pretty late, and we went to the beach and got baptised people there, which was amazing. But, you know, for those of us that are discerning, the Spirit of God is at work. We just need to have the eyes to see it. And, and so on one hand, we've had people disengaging from their faith, leaving church. But on the other hand, God is bringing people to church, and there is a hunger, a real hunger for the things of God in people's lives. And, and, and so how do we reckon, reconcile that? I think uh, I want you to turn to your Bible to John chapter 3, verse 16. And many of you can probably quote this off by heart, right? It's a, a very popular scripture. 
But how do we reconcile that on one side there are people that are leaving the faith and on the other side there are people that are hungry for God and coming to faith? Uh, John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Can you say amen? Amen. It's good news, right? Verse 17, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. You ever hear people say, how can a loving God judge people? Verse 17, He didn't come to judge the world but to save the world through Him. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing God's one and only Son. And verse 19 is the key. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. God's judgment isn't necessarily based on picking out individual sins that you do and determining which one is worse than the other. His judgment is based on what do we love? Do we love the things of God or do we love the things of the world? In the book of James, chapter 1, 14 and 15, he says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. You know, one of the challenges for us as individual believers is that we recognize that our dependence is upon God. It's so easy in the world that we live in to think that we have control over our own destiny, that we have control over everything in our life. We have a government in the Western world that will give payments to families that are in trouble. You know, we have organisations that will help families in trouble. It's almost like we don't need God because we've got all these other things in place that will help us. But in actual fact, we don't have control over the next day in our life, the next breath in our life. We are one phone call away from our lives being totally shattered and changed in a different direction. Anyone experienced that before in their world? course. So we need to understand that there is this dependence on God, but also recognize our dependence on His truth. It's not just about a belief in an eternal God, but it's the truth of His Word, that it is life to us. That as we obey what God puts in this book, He gives us every principle that we need to get through this life abundantly right here. But the challenge isn't whether the Word is truth, the challenge is whether we can receive it and love it more than the things of this world. See, the lie of the enemy in our life is this, you don't need God. If you think of Adam and Eve in the garden, in the book of Genesis, right, they were told that they couldn't eat one particular fruit, fruit from one particular tree. And the enemy comes to them and says, why did God say that? And they said, well, if we eat of this fruit, we'll, we will um, be like God and know the difference between good and evil. And uh, we'll die. And he says, you won't die. You won't die. He, he just doesn't want you to eat that because he knows you'll be like him, almost like God's jealous, right? Or that God's fearful. And so the lie that the enemy gave was that 
if, if you eat of this, you'll be like God and you can live independent of God. You'll be able to make decisions for your own life, choose the direction of your own life without Him because now you're like Him. You see, when we talk about sin, often we talk about sin as doing bad things. But that's not sin. That's the fruit of sin. Sin is actually where we set ourselves up as the Lord of our own life, the director of our own life, rather than placing Jesus right at the very throne of our heart of who we are. And so this morning, how do we engage ourselves in a way where we can stay anchored to the things of the Word of God and not be distracted and tempted into loving this world more than loving Him? And so I'm going to go there with you this morning. Is that okay? I haven't lost you yet. You're still with me? I went to the football yesterday with, uh, with Sean and um, there were some young lads behind me, they were singing some songs and <laughs> fortunately I had no idea what they were singing because I couldn't understand their accents, so I was told that was a good thing, not to be able to understand. So uh, where I want to go this morning, I want us to think about our faith, um, looking at it through, the, through three different lenses how God, uh, God's plan for our life through three different filters that become an anchor for our faith. And the first one is the anchor, um, God's plan for us as individuals. That's the first heading, God's plan for us as individuals. We need to look at our faith through what God's plan for us is as an individual person. You know, one of the fruits of a surrendered life to Christ is that we should want to grow to be more and more like Him. Everyone agree with that? So as I spend time with him, as I read his word, as I pray, as I get to know him, then my life becomes more and more like him. I begin to align my life with the principles of God. And you see, there are principles in God's word that align us to who he is. And I'll give you an example. Um, so if, if we um, had a situation for a moment where they needed to do some work here on site next Saturday, and... Uh, Sean said, look, I need some people. Pastor Chu says, yeah, we'll give you money for whatever you need. And we put out an announcement that says, hey, next Saturday, if you want to come and do some work here and get this place set up and really nice, we'll pay you. We'll pay you a fair day's wage, but just turn up on the day and do the work. And so nine o'clock comes around and uh, someone, you turn up and you say, I'm here to do some work. And Sean says, okay, here's the job I want to give you and away you go and do it. 12 o'clock, someone else turns up. I'm here to do some work. I couldn't come earlier. So, yeah, that's okay. Um, give you a job. You go and do it. And it goes on right through the day. And at the end of the day, everyone comes to get paid. And the person who turned up at 5 o'clock gets £100. Not bad. A couple of hours' work. The person that turned up at 3 o'clock gets £100. The person that turned up at 12 o'clock gets £100 person that turned up at nine o'clock and worked the whole day gets a hundred pound. Now if you have a person that turned up at nine o'clock and you saw everybody else getting paid the same amount of money as you and you did like eight hours work and they did one, who right now is feeling a little uncomfortable? You're, you're the nine o'clock person, right? Hand up. Yeah. Who is a little bit angry? Be, be honest, yeah. No, so you're, you're, you're all Christians. You're like, no, no, praise the Lord. He got more than me, right? <laughs> Come on. Come on. 
Like we're thinking this is a little unfair, right? Because we like things to be fair and we like justice, right? But, but can I tell you something that's a little bit, you know, harsh? Are you ready? Just, just hold the hand of the person next to you and say, it's okay, I got you. It's coming, it's coming, it's okay. God says, what I do to other people is not your problem. He actually shares a parable on it. Shares a parable in Matthew 20. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Nine, twelve, three and five. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. And that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them. And I'll move on because I've sort of shared the principle of it. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people who worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. And he answered one of them and said, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Isn't that right? If you come in, I'll pay your day's wage. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. And what, what Jesus is saying is, this is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like a person who says, I will follow Jesus and then take responsibility for my kingdom walk. Not everybody else's. Comparison is such a terrible thing in the kingdom of God. It'll kill you. It'll rob you from the plan and the promises of God in your life. What does God ask us as individual leaders? Remember I'm saying, how do we, how do we look at God's plan for us individually? Well, God's plan for us as individual believers is to trust and obey. Whatever he asks us to do, regardless of what he's asked other people to do, right? So in Matthew 5, he says these kinds of things. He says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, is that fair? Depends on what you did, I guess, but... (laughs) If someone slaps you on the right cheek, he says, turn the other one. Give him a shot at that as well. He says, love your neighbor and hate. He says, the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Is it fair to love your enemies? It's not just, is it? He says, pray for those who persecute you. And yet where we want justice, God says, justice is mine. I want kingdom. I want kingdom in you. Kingdom that becomes an incredible witness to those who don't yet know me. Jesus goes on to say, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about that. Be very glad. Oh, who's rejoicing this morning over the fact they were persecuted this week for being a follower of Jesus? That's what he asks us to do, right? He says it's a privilege to be like that. And I guess my point this morning is when we look at God's plan for us individually, my message to you is take responsibility for how I respond according to God's Word and let God look after the rest. I shared a story yesterday, I'll share it very briefly, but when I was a young Christian, I'd been married a short time, I was on a church camp and um, there was a young, other young man that was really bothering me and annoying me over a period of a few days. And it came to a head on the beach in front of our church and I tried to punch him out. 
in front of the whole church. It's not something I'm proud of. It was a long time ago. Um, but I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you need to go and apologise to him. And I really struggled with that because I thought, that's not fair. He's been an idiot for the last few days and he's been, you know, really annoying me. And um, he's, been, he's been, you know, sort of trying to get me into this place. It's not fair, God. He said, I want you to go and apologise to him. And so I went and apologised to him. He didn't apologise back. What's happening there? They're the rules, aren't they? You apologise to someone, they're supposed to say, yeah, I'm sorry too. They're the rules, right? Well, he didn't do that and so now I'm more angry. I wanted to punch him again. <laughs> and, uh, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly and said, I'm going to look after him. I need to deal with this thing that's in you that if we don't deal with will always hold you back from my plan for your life. And you see, so when it comes to following God, we have to trust Him. We have to trust His Word. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem fair, we have to take responsibility for our part. People leave churches all the time because someone said something to them that was nasty or wasn't fair. That's God's thing, all right? When you leave over that, when you don't try and resolve that, then you actually rob yourself of God's plan for what He wants to do in your life as part of the church. And so we have to take responsibility and just trust God in those spaces. So the first one was individually. The second one is corporately. God's plan for us corporately, the second anchor. Did you know that when we become followers of God, followers of Jesus, God places us in a church family? Did you know that? We're adopted into Christ and we are adopted into a church family. This is your church family, family church. You see, when we do this, when we come together like this and we, we make a very conscious effort to live um, loving one another, forgiving one another, um, supporting one another, living in unity and love, we actually become a reflection of who God is. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit living in perfect love and perfect unity. The church is beautiful when it does that. We show the nature of the triune God. And, and the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit brings people together in, into one body that transcends every human division. I love this church. I love that I can see as I look out here different nationalities and cultures. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. God brings us together. He takes away the divisions that the world might see and brings us together in beautiful unity. Isn't that great? And it's not just different nationalities and cultures, it's different demographics, it's different background stories. He, he makes things that are old, new, he, he, those things that are broken, he brings together and he makes them new. That's the power of the gospel in our lives. It's the power of the church. And he becomes a witness to everyone. So as a community of believers, we can now experience love. You might come from a family where you know, as a child or as a teenager, you didn't experience love from your family, but you can come into this place and experience it because it's God's community of believers that come together to offer that. You can experience acceptance, fellowship, accountability, discipline, breakthrough, support, just because you're part of God's family. And God loved us enough to put us in a family where we could receive that. It's also where we can utilize our gifts to build up one another 
and, and make the body more effective in reaching our world. And, and so let me give you an example of that. Um, it, it's, it's where we can volunteer on various teams maybe to provide meals for our community that are hurting or families that are hurting, where we can offer prayer support for one another, teaching, financing, care, all of those things sit within this room because you have gifts that God has placed in your life, you have things that, that you're wired a certain way and without you, we're not as effective. We have a uh, program in Hope You See called Meals of Hope and we offer it out to our community, specifically to women that are going through chemo treatment and so, you know, it's hard for the family to get meals and stuff together so we offer meals to those families um, families that might, you know, someone's in hospital for an extended time, so we take, we take meals around to there. But, you know, we couldn't do that without people that were willing to put their hand up and say, look, I'm wired for that. Please, please pick me, let me in, right? And so when you think about that, most people that look from the outside in go, oh, that's really nice, they provide meals for people. But what's involved in that is a group of people that say every fortnight, we're going to go to someone's house and we're going to cook up a storm. We're just going to cook up all of these meals and we're going to put them in the freezer. And then we have other people that say, look, I can't cook the meals, but I'm going to be happy to deliver them to different families. So it's a different group of people that are wired a little bit differently, right? But also on top of that, it's people that are willing to be um, alert enough and discerning enough to see that there are families in their community that actually need the help and let us know. Because if we don't know those families need help, how are they going to get the food to them? And uh, I've got a couple of testimonies here that I want to read to you because it's happened fairly recently in the life of our church. But one of them was from um, a lady in our church and her neighbour uh, was a tradie and that's a tradesman, tradesperson, sorry. Um, we, we sort of shorten everything, tradie, you know. Um, she said, the husband's now out of hospital and resting at home, a terrible patient for a tradie who has to sit still with a punctured lung, broken collarbone and seven breaks in his back. A miracle, none of them touched his spinal cord. The family responded and said, the meals have been an amazing help. So great when you get to the end of the day and only have to worry about heating up something yummy. Thank you so much to you all. That only happens because people in the church recognise that they are part of the body and have a part to play. And that becomes a witness to that family. And just two weeks ago, a guy called Jeff, Jeffro, Jeffro, he, uh, he contacted me. He said our neighbour, he said they won't ask for food, but he said they desperately need food. So we provided some meals for them and also a little gift card. And to Jeff's surprise, I think it was last Sunday, his neighbour turned up to church, our church. And then when he left church, he sent him this message. Man, today at church, I was fighting back so many tears. During praise and worship, I've not experienced this before. If I was to describe it, it was like nothing mattered, like ultimate safety, like feeling like something was lifted off my back. Weird to explain. <laughs> we all know what the Holy Spirit was doing, right? But my message to you today is that only comes when we recognize that God places us in a family, not just so that we can receive, but so that we can be a, a part of of bringing the, an effectiveness to the kingdom that wouldn't happen if we didn't put our hand up. So I want to encourage you today, if you're not involved, be involved. That's why we have connect groups where you can have discipleship, transparency, co commitment. We can put a cultural context to our ministry. I've got Brazilians coming to my campus recently and I'm saying, God, what are you doing? I'm going to have to learn Portuguese or do something like that and start this Brazilian life group, right? Um, but it's beautiful. There's this new culture coming into the life of our church. You see, the church is God's plan. 
It's God's plan. Jesus is the head and we are more effective when we recognised what he has called us into. That was a familiar sound. Yeah. God's called us to be a special people who see themselves as standing in relationship to the God who saves them and to each other as those who share in his salvation. Amen? Is that a phone ringtone, is it? It's literal birds, is it? Oh, wow, I thought it was someone's ringtone. There you go. I'm away from home. So number one, God's plan for us, individually, very good. Number two, God's plan for us, corporately. Number three, God's plan for us, programmatically. Do you want me to spell it? (laughs) P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-A-T-I-C-A-L-L-Y. There you go. Or Google it. It'll come up. What do I mean by God's plan for us programmatically? I actually think this is really important. How does my life align with God's program? Did you know that God has a program for human history? He's got a beginning and an end. And we're a small, small part of that. The time, the season that you live in now, that I live in now, is a small window in God's ultimate program. We live on a finite timeline. Only a few weeks ago, I think I had three, three people in my world, in my life, who passed away in, in the you know, this time of a week. Um, a military colleague and a couple of other people. And it just reminded me how finite my life is, how short the time is to be able to fulfill God's mission for my life. And uh, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Sometimes we get lost in the moment and, and we get overwhelmed when circumstances come into our life, but God has a final goal for all of us and it's beautiful. He has a final goal in the work of salvation and it's the establishment of what he calls an end of time community. And this is what that end of time community is. It's a redeemed people. Who's redeemed here? Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, right? His plans for us. A redeemed people dwelling in a renewed earth, enjoying reconciliation with their God, fellowship with one another, and harmony with all creation. That's the end goal. It's not actually the end goal, it's the end plan. God's got that in place for a set time and we're all going to be a part of it with each other and with other believers. And so when we look at a macro view of God's program, you know, we look at the Old Testament, right? We look at the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve. And then we go through the Old Testament where God establishes this idea of covenant and his promises with his people that get fulfilled in Jesus Christ, right? Um, and then there's this new covenant, and in Jesus, the divine word becomes flesh. And so in that, in Jesus, God is present with humankind. And then we receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, so we can experience God's presence with us now. But the biblical story doesn't end at Pentecost. It's still going. It's still going. It's going to go till a time when, when God says, now is the time and Jesus is coming back. Amen. And we have a place in that. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God partnered with people for his assignments. That's what it means to be part of God's program. 
And you can read it all the way through. And he, the good news for you and I is that he used flawed people. He didn't use, you know, very, very uh, people that were full of ability and full of you know, intellect and wisdom. They relied on God's wisdom and God's intellect and God's ability, right? But Moses, Noah, Gideon, David, the disciples. But put your name in there today because he has an assignment for you and I. And all you have to do is just be ready. Just be ready for what he has for us. There is a place in history, if there, was a, if there was a big chart of all the people in history, there's a little slot there in 2023 and it's got your name on it. The rest of the details aren't filled in yet, but it's got your name on it because God has assigned it. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, many of the plans of a man's heart, but God ordains his steps. And so, so we just got to we just got to plan to be ready for God and allow Him to open up the doors of opportunity, and, and and so in short, in short, God has multiple Kairos moments for you that only you can fulfil. So I know you've been speaking on Kairos recently. He has moments that only you can fulfil. If you were to think of a person right now, I want you to do this. I want you to think of a person right now who's in your world right now. So at your workplace, at your school, your university in your neighbourhood, think of a person in your world that doesn't know Jesus and is not hostile to you. Have you got that person? Can I let you know a little secret? I will never reach that person for Christ because they're not mine to win. They're yours to win. They're yours to show God's love to they're yours to share about what God's done in your life. And you know what else? You've only got a small window of time to do it. Um, you know, I've, I've had people that have come to the Lord through my involvement. Um, they're in my life for a window of time. They're not in my life anymore. They've moved on, done their own things in life. But I had this short window where I could share God's love to them and, and you know, miraculously saw them come to the Lord. There are people in my world now which I'm praying and believing for. We have a prayer list in our life group, our connect group, for people that, that are in our world that don't yet know God. And what that does, it just keeps a focus for me. Every time I go out, when I see them, I'm like, Holy Spirit, just give me wisdom. Just give me discernment. Just what can I share? How can I help? How can I point them to Jesus? And that's what God asks of us to do. And there are people in your life who God needs you, who God wants you to share his love with. Never underestimate your influence in fulfilling God's cosmic program. Focus on the seed. Focus on what you can sow. Focus on what you can sow and not the fruit. Amen? Amen. So in summary, I'm going to close. Individually, God's plan for us individually. Am I taking responsibility for my walk with God? Don't allow other people's behavior, what they say, what they do to be an excuse for what God calls us to do as individuals? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to transform me more into the image of Christ? Don't allow yourself to become a victim, a victim of circumstance. Well, this person did this to me. Well, the church didn't do that to me. God will look after that. God will look after that, okay? Take responsibility for those things. Corporately, am I planted in God's family, the church? Am I engaged in the synergy of the body which releases the mission of God? Am I contributing or am I consuming? 
do I recognize that God has called me here to be part of his body? And then programmatically, have I been distracted from God's greater program for me as an individual and as his church? So today is an opportunity for alignment. Let me pray. Lord, we just thank you today that as the creator of heaven and earth, you chose, Lord, to love us, that you know us intimately, that your word says before we were even formed in the womb, you knew us. You had a plan and a purpose for our life. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who thought that equality was God, was nothing to be taken lightly, but even so emptied himself to go to the cross so that we might have a relationship with him, that we might be seen as righteous, that those things in our life that have held us back from being all that we can be in you have been broken down, that the power of sin in our life has been broken down, Lord, that, Lord, you've called us to be uh, whole, to be sanctified, to be transformed, and we give you glory for that this morning, Lord, and we don't take it lightly. Lord, I I pray for people in this place, Lord, who have forgotten, Lord, maybe what it was like before they were saved and they've maybe lost sight of just their relationship with you that it's still there but it's not intimate and it's not alive and it's not flourishing. And Holy Spirit, this morning I just pray that as we wait upon you that you would do a fresh work in our life, a fresh work in our heart, that you would revive, Lord, the not just the love and the passion that we have for you, but you would open our eyes to see, Lord, those people that you've called us to go to. You would help us to see those gifts and that wiring in our life that you've placed for a reason, for a season. And God, I just declare over each and every one, Lord, a freedom, Lord, to be courageous, to be trusting, to be obedient, and to see you move in powerful ways. And so while we're just in a, in a moment of prayer this morning, you know, I just felt as we were worshipping, Pastor Stu said that, you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I had this picture of, I actually had this picture of a, of a lion that was, it had been brought up in captivity And someone came and opened the door of the cage and it stepped out of the cage but it had been so used to being captive it just couldn't walk into the freedom that had been provided for it. And I I just felt that that was for some people here this morning. That perhaps in your your lifetime, before you you came to Christ, you know, you you were part of a world that you belonged to but you knew it wasn't you you knew that there was more for you you knew that God had more for you and you've surrendered your life to Christ and you've been doing your best to serve him and to follow him but but for some reason there's just this thing holding you back just not sure you can trust God to step out into everything that he's calling you to and if that's you this morning my encouragement to you is just to take the step and see what God will do. You can trust Him. 
He said, He'll never leave you or forsake you. If that's you this morning, just while no one's looking around, I want to pray with you just where you are. Would you just raise your hand quickly and put it down so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You just stretch your hands out before God. Lord, I pray for those that have just raised their hand. Spirit of God, I just pray right now you would just move upon their life. I pray you would fill them afresh, God, that you would give them the confidence that comes from knowing you. I pray, Lord, your word says we are not of those that shrink back, but we are those that press on. And I pray, God, that as they leave this place, you would just fortify their soul. That, Lord, they would be willing, Lord, just to step into that next season that you have for them. And I pray you would show yourself strong in every way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This morning, if you're in this place and one of those areas really spoke to you, it might have been individually. Perhaps you're in this place this morning and you've been putting up lots of excuses as for why you can't give God your all. You may be offended over different things. Jesus said, blessed is he that is not offended from my sake. This morning, God wants you to hand the justice and the unfairness to him. He wants you to hand it over to him because it's a, it's a stronghold. It holds us back from what God wants for our life. The only person that it hurts is you. It robs you of fellowship. It, it robs you of intimacy with God because it becomes the very focus. And the fear in all of that is, is that if I have to go and make that right with that person, then I'll feel ashamed. Shame is, shame is the work of the enemy. Shame is the place of the enemy. It's his main tool. But this morning, God wants you to hand that over. He wants you to say, He wants you to say, God, I'm going to give the results of this to you. I'm going to trust you in this space. I'm going to stop being a victim. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to throw myself all in again while every head's bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand quickly and put it down. I don't want to embarrass you, but there's a step of faith in putting your hand up, you know. Just saying, yeah, God, that's me. I'm going to hand it over to you now. Would you do that? Yep, thank you. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Lord, I pray for each person that just raised their hand. Lord, I thank you for their courage. Thank you, Lord, for their openness to hearing your voice. And this morning, Lord, I just pray for a freedom from offense. I pray for a freedom from the pain that continues, Lord, to bind and hold them back. And I just pray, Lord, for a a, a release in their spirit. Lord, that would help them, Lord, to function in a new light. Lord, your word says, I look to the, to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from you, Lord. So I pray that over their life right now. I pray, Lord, for, for an, a new season of being able to walk with clarity and without carrying offense or hurt or bitterness or pain. In Jesus' name. And, f- and my final one. I I want to pray for those of you who have maybe held your time back from being part of the body 
in terms of your giftings and your wirings. You come to church, which is great. This isn't a, this isn't a, a prayer of condemnation at all. But just this morning as I've shared that, the Holy Spirit's just been prompting you. to So you know what? It's time. It's time to step up. It's time to step in. It's time to be a part of what God wants to do through the corporate body of Christ, through family church. And again, if that's you this morning, um, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm just going to ask you to put your hands out in front of you, and I'm just going to pray right now. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've called each and every one of us to be part of a church family. Lord, it's within our church family that we are discipled, that we grow, Lord, that we, we, Lord, we welcome and we love one another. And I pray, God, Father, for those this morning that have been challenged, Lord, to just bring what they have to you. They mightn't feel like it's much, but God, I pray, Lord, that this morning you would reveal to them that it's everything, that you ask us for everything. So, Lord, I just pray, God, as again they take that step of faith and they engage in that space, I pray, Lord, that there would be such a joy about their service. I pray, Lord, that it would open up new areas of their life, Lord, to see your goodness, Lord, as they interact and, 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 uh, and engage with other people, Lord, and express themselves in the way that you have wired them to be. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And then finally this morning, I don't want to assume that everyone here has a relationship with Jesus, that you know Jesus. But the great thing about my God is that every day in every moment, He offers the same invitation. He says, come to me, those of you who are heavy and weary, and I will give you life. We've read this morning that Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world through him. He is the only one that can promise eternal life because he's the only one that overcame death. He's the only one that can cleanse us of our sin because he's the only one that shed his blood for our sin. And when we come to him, we don't have to have our life together. We don't have to be clean because he makes us clean. We just have to say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and I'm going to follow you. And he offers that to us today. He takes us on a journey. You know, sometimes we're reluctant because we don't know what that journey looks like, but that's what trust is all about. Jesus says, just come. He said to the disciples, our fishermen standing on the side of the lake, and he says, follow me. And because they had a sense in their spirit that he was God, they just dropped everything and followed him. They didn't know what lay ahead. Maybe if they did, they wouldn't have come. I don't know. But Jesus just says, come. And he says it to us today again. It's a decision that I made at 19 years of age. Changed my life. Wasn't always easy. But it was beautiful. And he offers that to you today. And so I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you want to, if you want to make that decision, why don't you pray that prayer with me? Let's, let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you now and I receive you into my life. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you rose from the dead. I receive you now as my Lord and Saviour. Holy Spirit, fill me. Lead me. Guide me in all truth. I'm now a Christian. Amen.
Amen. Beautiful. Why don't we give those people a hand that prayed that prayer this morning? If you did make that decision, um, I've been instructed, there's a, I can actually see it, there's a, there's a banner up the back that says, Best Decision Ever. Um, can you please go up to the back there? There are some people that will tell you what the next steps are and help you with that. Um, it's really important that you tell someone. Really important. Because you need people to walk through this journey with you. That's the way God planned it. So, so please tell someone. You'll make their day. They've probably been praying for you for a long time. Um, but other than that, God bless you and thank you. appreciate your time this morning.